Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. When I have been with friends and that happened and I peed my pants, I I did lose the room. (laughs) They did leave. (laughs) I saw her light up and I was like, I'm just going to work. But we are here until one of our last breaths. I was just the one that was meant to take care of mama. It's for me to remember every single day is that I always have a choice. Everyone always has a choice. Whenever somebody says, no, you can't, or there's no rules for you, or you have to look like this, I go, I'll show you. I'll show you. Welcome to Go Ask Allie. I'm Allie Wentworth. Do you know what the metaverse is? Because I do not. And I'm already terrified of it. I don't want to live in the metaverse. I don't want to make new friends in the metaverse. I like where I am right now in three-dimensional real life. It is such a big topic that we have two guests to cover it. Ibrahim Begili is a digital forensics expert and professor who will tell us what the hell the metaverse is. And then Jim Steyer, founder of Common Sense Media, will fill us in on big tech and how his organization is advocating for kids' safety and privacy in this wild west of digital media. 
Dr. Ibrahim Begili is a professor of computer science and cybersecurity at Louisiana State University. Prior to that, he was the founding director of the Connecticut Institute of Technology at the University of New Haven, specializing in cybersecurity and forensics. In 2019, the National Security Agency gave UNH the prestigious designation as a center of academic excellence in cyber operations. And in 2022, did the same for LSU, becoming one of just 22 schools on the selective list. He also has co-authored over 70 publications, and his work has been featured in news and media worldwide and in 20 languages. Hello, Ibrahim. I'm going to call you Abe for the rest of this podcast after I've established your very elegant name. Um, the reason I'm having you on besides you're a genius of all this uh, virtual techno stuff that I feel I still scream at my iPhone to you know turn off the lights. You know, I look at Instagram, social media, the metaverse is kind of like the Wild West. And I know as we're trying to figure it all out, as parents, we're trying to figure it all out for our kids. But let's just start with the big, broad, simple question, which is what the hell is the metaverse? I mean, you know, you've hit on something that's close to my heart, right? What is the metaverse? And, you know, people will give you many different answers, but the real answer is nobody knows what the metaverse is, because in my personal opinion, it doesn't really exist at this point in time. It's what people are trying to build, right? Um, so, so the metaverse is supposed to be essentially an alternative virtual world where, you know, you could do things in a virtual environment with your, let's say, VR headset or mixed reality headset. And uh, you can socialize with people. You could um, hang out with people. You can go to class. You could do all the things that you do in the real world, but in the virtual world, that's basically what it's supposed to be. Um, it wasn't invented by Facebook. And I just wanted to make sure I say that because Facebook renamed itself to Meta. And you can't really take the credit for virtual reality and, and that sort of thing has has existed for many years. So it's not like something that's uh, that, that we're just talking about now. Well, I wasn't even going to mention Facebook. So how about that? <laughs> um, I think of it as sort of a virtual reality based world that's separate from our physical one. Is that aptly put? Yes and no, because it could be actually part of your physical world if you're talking about mixed reality or augmented reality, right? So you, like the HoloLens glasses, um, you see the physical world, but you augment it with information, right? So for example, if I'm wearing my glasses and my glasses are telling me turn left and there's a signal in my glass telling me turn left, I could still see the physical world, but now the virtual world is also interacting with me and overlaid on top of the physical world. And virtual reality is when you are immersed into a virtual environment completely. So if you wear a headset, it's going to cover your eyes completely. You might have headphones where you're listening, so you can't see anything except the virtual world. So when people use the word metaverse loosely, they're, I think, including this idea of augmented reality and mixed reality into that equation. But it is it is a reality that if you pull off your glasses or your helmet, or your goggles, you are no longer in that world. And it's a 3D form. Yes, uh, definitely. It, it could be a 3D form. It could be a 2D form also. I mean, a good example of that would be Ready Player One, the movie. And I'm sure a lot of people have watched it. You know, you're 
you're in this alternative world where that, that people are basically stuck in and they live in and and you know um maybe we'll get to the matrix one day <laughs> where you plug in you know it, it feels like we're getting closer to that are you for or against the metaverse like have you bought <laughs> beachside property there uh i mean no and i don't intend to do so um i understand the potential market value right um i i was at a conference a really big conference in california um talking about you know virtual reality security and all these problems and I, I basically told people the metaverse as, you know, maybe Facebook or other organizations are trying to build it is nothing but an app store. And they looked at me and was like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's nothing but an app store. Like it's an app store for all of these different virtual worlds that other people are going to create. You know, you go on your phone and you download an app, you know, for video conferencing and you download games and you download all of these various things and then you immerse yourself in them. And if you think about when the .NET era started kind of emerging, uh, Yahoo and all of these companies, what they wanted to do was to become the front page of the internet, right? Like, and Google, of course, was a big winner in that regard uh, towards the end, which is, you know, through a search engine. But if you think of the metaverse, I mean, the metaverse, the winners are the ones that are going to be that, that front page for all of the other things that people are going to build in those virtual worlds. Um, and and I think that's really what's happening, right? So um, that that's really where my mind is. Is we're we're still at the stage of creating some environments that people can be in, but not necessarily the environment that's the access to all other environments. Well, why don't we just stay in the reality? Why do we have to go to the virtual reality? I mean, that's a great question. Why why do we have Instagram accounts? Like, why do we want to show? what we just ate. I mean, humans, um, humans, I believe, have a tendency to want to share at least good parts of their life on the internet. And there's a whole, you know, theory of de-individuation when you look at psychology and, and, you know, how when you're online, you feel more anonymous. Therefore, sometimes you can be more of yourself. So there's all of these various uh, reasons why you know, online environments can actually be quite awesome, and especially virtual environments. Like, you know, if your grandma uh, is, is you know, older and she came from another country and she wanted to see this church that was in her hometown, but she can't travel anymore. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, you can get her to see that. Uh, and those sort of things have happened, right, where it really gives them a sense of nostalgia and a sense of something that, that's awesome to look forward to. Um, but, you know, should it be everything? And that's really the question that I don't know. I mean, I think just we're as humans, we get addicted to certain technologies and certain things. And, you know, the technology goes out there and and, and there's a lot of issues that we weren't anticipating. Right. But also, you know, when I think about when you were talking about Instagram and now uh, virtual reality, it, it sort of all boils down to connection. People want connection. Um, certainly we saw during the pandemic that particularly teenagers needed connection more than, than anything and virtual reality would benefit that just like Instagram and, you know, so, so much of social media did benefit them from, from being lonely. And I have read that there are benefits, um, you know, in virtual reality, in the metaverse for autism therapy, learning retention, socializing. So yes, I think there are 
with most internet stuff, there are good stimulating factors to it. On the other side, I worry about a word that you just said uh, a minute ago, which is addiction, because we seem to have an addiction problem in our culture when it comes to technology, you know, and it started with Facebook and then Instagram. And, you know, how do you ever get your kids to disconnect from the metaverse? Why not just live there full time? Um, I mean, it, it is a problem and we're starting to see parts of it. Um, but then the question when it comes to kids, right, is uh, at what age is it appropriate for you to have that? And and different companies have different ages, different companies have different age limits, and there aren't really any sort of standards for us to uh, understand that a little better. And And that's kind of a problem. You know, you don't just give something to everybody without any rules. Like there's there has to be some rules of engagement, right? Uh, yes. There was also a study, um, I think the Information Commission's office uh, did a study where they, they went into VR. Uh, I think it was VR chat, if I remember correctly. And, you know, the researchers found that users, including minors, were exposed to abusive behaviors uh, every, about every 70 minutes, they said. Jesus. Um, things like, uh, you know, minors being exposed to graphic sexual content, like should that be the case? Of course not. That should not be the case. And here's the problem when your kid is, is you know, has that VR headset on, you can't most of the time see what they're seeing unless they cast it onto another device. So let's go through a few of the warnings, um, particularly for children, because let's say they're on gun raiders or one of the, like the gaming devices. Uh, everything I've read, they is that kids are exposed to um, bad words, racist words, and sexual content. Now, I'm not saying that's every time they log their brains into this, but, you know, that's that's enough to be scared of as a parent, just those three things. Actually, I think it's even worse than that. There's bullying, there's sexual harassment, um, there's uh, grooming is, is a big thing, uh, obviously racism violence, right. content mocking. Um, certainly, I have two daughters. You know, I'm worried about how, you know, safe that world is for girls because on Instagram, you know, they have a lot of issues with appearance and self-esteem. And here in the metaverse, they can make themselves look and be anything they want, which on the one hand is not realistic in, in how they see themselves. It does set them up as you said, grooming. Uh, explain what virtual reality grooming looks like. How do you do that in a VR setting? You know, uh, you would have essentially an adult that would be in virtual reality, and they would talk to children and start slowly talking to them about, you know, things that are completely inappropriate um, and and eventually get them to do things that they shouldn't be doing. And when you say get them to do things, are you talking about getting their avatar to do things? Well, their avatar, but here's the thing. If the avatar is doing it, um, that's a representation of a person in the real world, right? It's not just a, a theoretical avatar that's uh, that's just doing things. So mm -hmm. I think that's that's the problem there. Can you block avatars? If I felt um, uncomfortable with somebody or if my child was complaining to me about an avatar, could I block them? Yeah, I think it just depends on, on the application you're using. Some applications might enable you to block uh, certain 
characters and, and avatars and others won't. And, and a lot of systems don't have the, the parental controls that are typically available on other devices, those sort of headsets. I mean, I don't know uh, how old your children are, but, you know, my daughter, she's younger and she's on what I call a gateway drug, which is Roblox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, uh, everywhere I go, people are talking about Roblox because Roblox is a game that's 3D and you interact with mm -hmm. other kids and things like that. And it's just blown up. You know, at least that's on a tablet that has parental controls. And so, so there are parental controls for the metaverse specifically. Well, again, the metaverse doesn't exist. There are. There <laughs> that's are, what I said. <laughs> right. It's just something that they're trying to sell us on that hasn't happened yet. Uh, that <laughs> you know, but there are parental controls in some of the applications that that you can use, uh, you know, on your tablets and on your VR headsets and things like that. That might not be part of the entire system, right? But it could be parental controls for a specific app that would be installed on your on your device. So is it perfect? No. Is it an added level of security? Absolutely. But we also have to take into account something else, right? Like we are operating under the assumption that all the kids we're talking about that are using the, these VR systems are in great home environments. You know, we're talking about this like, you know, it, all parents and all kids' lives are equal. And that's not the case because a lot of the kids uh, that might get groomed or a lot of the kids that might have challenges uh, are basically using this as an escape mechanism potentially from their real world, which is not a great world to be in in the first place. And that's when, you know, a lot of the taking advantage of might actually take place. As they do in the physical world. I know you say this is also the physical world, but I mean, you know. Absolutely. I mean, I think legally it's a challenging question, but psychologically, it's a very important question for us to pursue. I mean, think about, you know, sexual assault. Um, yes. If that happens in VR, which people have claimed that's happened to them. Yes. So, you know, what are you going to argue? That this is just a virtual world and, and that's it? Because of immersion, they feel like they're really in this place, um, could be really damaging. And you can't just be like, that's not real. There was no real you know, physical sexual assault, right? Because there is the there is the psychological trauma, but there may not be, you know, bruises or pregnancy or scratches, you know, they're like forensic evidence of it, right? Absolutely. Um, and actually, that's a lot of the work that we initially did. Uh, my area of expertise uh, is mostly in digital forensics. Uh, so like, you know, investigations that involve computer-based systems and extracting the evidence in a legal and scientific manner. And one of the first things we did with work that was funded by the National Science Foundation is look at what evidence can we recover from these systems so we can answer the questions of the who, the what, the when, and the where. Um, and we were able to find some good stuff, at least with the systems we looked at, if you'd like me to talk about it. Yeah, share it with me, unless it's secret. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all published. People can read it. Um, so there's uh, our security research. We have this thing called a man in the middle attack. And it's the idea that, you know, right now I'm communicating with you. And if there was somebody that was intercepting the communication between me and you, uh, they would be injecting themselves in the middle. And that's what's called a man in the middle attack. So imagine you're in a virtual room, maybe having dinner with your significant other, right? Or doing something very personal. And there's this person right there in the virtual environment. You don't know that they're there. You can't hear them. You can't see them. 
but they're there, right? I call this like the invisible peeping Tom, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and then the human joystick attack. So essentially, if you're if you're playing virtual reality, you're in a virtual world, but that world is reflected in the real world, right? So if I move my hand up or I move my hand down or if I walk around, you're still walking in a real room, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that real room has boundaries like a wall. And and typically what you do in VR is you you detect the real wall so you don't hit it in the virtual wall so that when you get close to the real wall, it kind of gives you a sign that this is a real wall. Don't walk into it. Mm -hmm. So we were just playing with a file and he like it was a bug in the code that moved the center of the room. And all of a sudden, the girl that was in the virtual environment just moved to that location that he specified by mistake. And we're like, whoa, you can control people. You could move them, right? So basically, you can just start pushing people to any location you want them to, to move to. And we thought that was really interesting. And we called it the human joystick attack. Oh my gosh. And there's also, um, I've read about cyber sickness. People get motion sickness from in this VR world. Yeah. If you're in VR for a long time, it doesn't make you feel great, number one. And number two, we, we also ran that as an experiment where the environment started flipping around and moving around and made you feel really sick. Um, we also did a new, we called it an overlay attack. So imagine you're in virtual reality playing your game. And then people take over your headset by just putting images in front of it. And now you can't see anything. Worse, what if they start putting pictures of your own kids in front of you? Like that's going to really psychologically impact the person that's uh, that's in that environment as well. Um, I mean, what kind of parental guidances are you going to put in place in your home for this? The main thing for me is, you know, we can't control everything that our kids do. But what you can do is at least have some parental controls. One of the, the, the simplest things that parents can do, um, you know, if you're using a computer or a laptop or a VR system or an AR system or something like that, uh, you should probably be using it in some public space, like in your TV room, where there's other people around you. Because I think as, as soon as they're put in an environment where they're completely on their own, other things could happen. Uh, if you're using Roblox, you know, make sure that they can't chat with other people. Make sure that, you know, you're choosing the right age limits for the applications or the, the games that they have access to through Roblox and other systems like that. And I assume that you, yeah. as a parent, have the same conversations uh, about virtual reality that you would with any other app or social media, which is, you know, this if an avatar you don't recognize, you know, comes into play, you know, you ha it's like there's a whole education for parents every time something in this cyber world gets created i mean i i say to my kids let us know if anything makes you feel uncomfortable we just want to make sure that there's an open line of communication is i think the most critical thing and i think i think by by ensuring that you constantly tell them you can tell us anything we're not going to be mad at you um now you might get mad at them, but that's, <laughs> you know, that's another story. But in that scenario, like you can tell us anything and, and, you know, we're here to support you, I think goes a long way in terms of ensuring that, you know, they can come to you with the, with, with, with the things they, they should be telling you. Right. I mean, the truth is, I think that we just can't keep up anymore. Um, I mean, if you really want to be honest uh, and we want to talk openly. Yes, like, I, I do want to be honest. 
Yeah, we, we can't keep up, you know, and the amount of information that's thrown at us constantly as parents is, I think, beyond our ability to comprehend what's going on. And I'm the person that does this for a living in terms of research. And I'm saying I can't keep up anymore. Right. Um, I can only imagine, you know, what other parents that are not in the technology field, they're probably feeling like, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I am one of those parents. And I feel like there's a mental health crisis with these younger generations right now. And I can't tell if virtual reality, the metaverse, social media, if it's helping them, if it's not helping them. Because certainly I know, like I said before, that during the pandemic, that they were able to connect. I know that there are good, positive socializing aspects of this. Um, but do you think that there's a benefit for for younger children and teens when it comes to anxiety? Well, I do definitely believe there's good stuff and there's bad stuff with every single thing that we do. There's definitely some very positive use cases for, you know, using virtual reality, uh, you know, for people that might not have great social skills, for folks that might have autism. and um, But also, there's some very negative things about it, like all the data that they might be collecting with your eyes and your gazes. And well, is that data, you know, being used positively or negatively? And and are they just, you know, leveraging that data for making more money or not? Um, and, and these are the sort of questions that, that we need to think about very carefully, other than the safety issues and, of course, a lot of the challenges that we spoke about. But definitely, definitely, there are positive use cases. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're going to overpower the negative use cases. And that's, that's kind of the, the, the crux of the problem. Right. As a security researcher you realize that when companies are releasing new technology, they're trying to get it to market as quickly as possible, right? So security is a complete afterthought. Um, and, and, and that's one of the issues uh, that really happens when people get excited about technology. They just want to watch it. They want to put it in people's hands and the rest is history, right? And then all of these problems start appearing and we're not thinking about the problems. So, you know, sorry, I'm I'm kind of, drawing a, a dark cloud here. No, I'm happy you're drawing a dark cloud because I have a lot of fears, as I think a lot of people do about this. And I'm even going to make you go darker by asking you, what are your biggest fears about the future in the metaverse? Um, I mean, so, so there's, there's the saying, right? Money is the, is the root of all evil, right? That whole metaverse thing, it's not really driven by, you know, it's not its not pure. People are not trying to move into that direction because they're thinking that it's really going to help people. The hard push from all these big companies is not driven by, we're going to make your life better, right? It's really driven by, we're going to make more money, right? right. So, so that's really what scares me is, is there's no real foresight and thinking about the potential impact of moving in that direction, like in terms of how do we do this right? And I think that's honestly one of my biggest problems with, with not just the metaverse, with any new technology that's coming out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that parents should know that at this point, the metaverse is not there, but that extended reality, virtual reality, augmented reality is truly there. Um, and and 
you know, we need to be very cognizant and as parents, we need to maybe unite in some fashion to make sure that, you know, things are being done uh, in a way that that will benefit our kids and our society. And I think that that's that's an important message that we need to all consider as we're moving towards the so-called metaverse. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, before I end this, I want to just ask you, Abe, how did you get into this? So, I mean, I'm from Jordan in the Middle East, um, and I, uh, I grew up in the UAE, um, Dubai, Abu Dhabi area. And where I grew up, the internet was fully censored. Um, and in order for me to sort of see things that I wasn't supposed to see as a kid, uh, I had to learn how to, you know, bypass the internet proxy at that point in time. Uh, So you were a baby hacker. (laughs) So so that's how I got into security, right? Okay. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. Baby hacker. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this, Abe. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all the work you do to, you know, help keep it safe for all of us. Thank you. And, uh, you know, my students did the hard work. You know, I just was there to support them. And it's time for a quick break. But wait, when we come back, the founder of Common Sense Media tells us what his organization is doing to help us protect our children. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant 
just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back to Go Ask Alley. My next guest is Jim Steyer, the founder and CEO of Common Sense Media, a nonprofit that provides ratings and recommendations of safe media for kids. Steyer describes the group as nutritional labeling of media. It also focuses on the effects media and technology have on young users and advocates for kids' privacy protections online. On top of this, Steyer is an award-winning professor at Stanford University, where he also attended college and law school. And I met him when I was 12. So Jim Steyer, besides being the founder and head of Common Sense Media, we should probably disclose that, in fact, you were my camp counselor at a very young age. There you go. You were a very, very cool camp counselor. You wore like puka beads and you were always in bare feet and your hair was longer. And look at you now. Look at you now. I love that. I love that. You know, I that I still think of you as Dabber. That was your nickname when you were 12 yes, years was. old. Yes, it was. And uh, you are one of my all-time favorite campers. Thank what you. can I say? <laughs> oh, that means a lot to me. Thank you. That is totally true. So, first of all, you are the founder of Common Sense Media. And uh, yep. as a mom who's always been concerned about content, I'd like to thank you. Um, how would you best describe Common Sense Media? I would describe us as the biggest child advocacy group in the United States and also the biggest media and tech advocacy group in the world. And I think most of your listeners in our audience knows us because we rate and review every movie, TV, video game, website. We have about 150 million unique users. And also, we have a curriculum on digital literacy and citizenship that's in 110,000 schools in the United States and around the world. So we created that whole field of the safe, ethical, responsible use of cell phones and the internet and Instagram, Snapchat, that kind of stuff. So it's a big nonprofit. How did you jump into this? This is obviously something you know, you're very passionate about. Uh, I graduated from Exeter, the fancy mm-hmm. private school up in mm-hmm. uh, New Hampshire. And I spent a year teaching in Harlem mm-hmm. in the South Bronx with my mom before I went to college. And that was right before I became a camp counselor. Mm-hmm. And so... When you knew me when I was 18 years old, I already knew that I wanted to work with kids. And I knew that I didn't just want to work with Upper East Side kids, but but I wanted to work with kids who lived in Harlem, the South Bronx, East Oakland, the toughest areas in the United States. And that's really been my career. So I went to Stanford. I I, I taught again in, in the worst schools in New York City for a couple of years. Then I went back to law school and became a civil rights lawyer. And the reason I started Common Sense Media was... There was no major child advocacy group in the United States that had a constituency, so, which is really parents who have to advocate for children because kids don't vote and they don't have political power. And the reason I started Common Sense was to get people to join the organization and understand that that both media and tech media at that point, it was mostly movies, TV, video games were having an incredible impact on kids' lives, but also that you needed to be part of an organization that advocated for children. Mm -hmm. I did not know in 2003 that that rating and review platform would be so successful so that moms like you would use it. Yeah, it's a a big need. 
We can't, we, we can't as parents. And I knew that I have four kids. Yeah. You have four kids. You can't be aware of what movie or what game or what, you know, new app you can't control it, let alone, you know, know if there's going to be nude scenes or swearing or violence. And so it, it was a huge need in our culture. I really appreciate it. And what happened was you could tell right from the beginning, once we had those movie and TV ratings, there was nothing like it at the time. And people just flocked to it. And then what happened was a few years in, this happened, Mm -hmm. the iPhone Mm -hmm. and Facebook Mm -hmm. and Instagram and Snapchat. And the truth was kids went from watching movie and TV shows to being glued to their screens. And we were there and we were by far the biggest organization in the country. And we realized, oh, my gosh, what we really have to do is look at the impact of technology and cell phones and social media on kids. And the rest is history. And by the way, and I want to do a deep this is the area I want to do a deep dive into, because, um, I mean, of course, we didn't grow up with social media or cell phones. So there's no, this is like the wild west for us parents that didn't grow up with it. And even though I have older girls, I feel like the conversations with parents all the time is when do I give my kid a phone? When do I allow them to do yep. this? When it, Because we, we have no idea. And, you know, I do this work with the Child Mind Institute because I have yep. very, very strong feelings about technology and how it's sexualized this whole generation of girls. And, and I feel like what people don't talk about is there's a whole new component to parenting. You know, I, I feel like I've spent a majority of my lecture series with my children talking about tech. Yeah, I totally get that. And I went to Silicon Valley with the Child Mind Institute, and there were all, a lot of people from Google and Facebook and everything there. We had this right. big conversation. And then afterwards, many of them came up to me and whispered to me, oh, yeah, listen, it's far worse than you think. I won't let my kids go. And I'm like, well, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Come on, you hypocrites. You mean you're making billions of dollars working for these companies, and yet you know how bad it is for our children. You're absolutely right, Allie. And every parent deals with that today, and they need basic, simple advice. Um, and I will tell you, we also have big political leverage over the tech companies referring to. Mm-hmm. So, I, And so, for example, you mentioned Google. So Sundar, he's the CEO of Google. Mm-hmm. He's actually a good guy, way better than the predecessors, I would tell you, on these issues. He cares about it a lot. And Susan Wojcicki, who runs YouTube, we work with too. Now, by the way, we criticize them when they don't do good stuff for kids. But we also work with them. And, and I agree. They now all understand in the big Silicon Valley companies as parents, A, the incredible impact that their platforms are having on kids. B, most of them, with the exception of Mark Zuckerberg, love common sense media. And the reason Mark doesn't is because we're so critical of Facebook and Instagram and have been for so long. Um, but this is the 24-7 reality for every parent. And we try to make it simple, easy, you know, and and you know, we have several hundred staff here who all they do is try to educate parents and the broader public about the impact of media and technology on kids, and what we can do about it. And then we try to pass big laws around privacy and holding the, the social media platforms accountable for that misinformation and disinformation. We're doing a big study on porn and sexting. As a mom, I guarantee you, you will be interested because most parents out there know their kids are exposed to stuff at ridiculously young ages now. Yes. So, I mean, you know, a, a little a seven-year-old boy can just Google titties and he can go to the dark web in a matter of minutes. Correct. 
And they're not supposed to be on YouTube or TikTok, but they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where kids live today, mm -hmm. right? It's primarily on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, probably in that order. And the problem is these are all driven by algorithms. And what happens is they also maximize the most sensational stuff. That's how you engage people, violence, sex. And so little kids can go down the rabbit hole very quickly on these platforms. It must be such a battle for you because there are so many billions of dollars made in this arena. Like, sure. you know, sex and violence sells. But we're pretty powerful. I mean, you'd be surprised, Ali. Honestly, I mean this. We've been, A, the, almost all the executives use our stuff. You said you went out there for the Child Mind Institute. And by the way, we work with them on kids and mental health issues a lot. I know. Um, but the guys who run most of the companies and the people at, at the levels below them are almost all common sense media consumers. And so we go to them, but we also regulate them. We passed all the big privacy laws here in the United States. We passed this year. We did an, in California over the opposition of certain tech companies, the age appropriate design code, which means that if you're building a new platform like a Snapchat or an Instagram, you have to think about the kids who are in your audience and build it for that. And, you know, the Europe and the rest of the world are in certain cases farther ahead than the U.S. The U.S. has done a terrible job of regulating the tech companies, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And only over the last few years, because the broader public totally agrees with the common sense perspective on this, has everyone come to understand that the Wild West, which is how you correctly described it, has got to change. So we're entering an era now where young people themselves, including yours, have really come to understand how much their lives are being shaped by these devices and these platforms. So give me an example of something that you fought and won. I'll give you two good ones. Yeah, good. Early, early years of common sense media, early years, we went after the video game industry because they made really disgusting, ultra-violent and sexually violent video games like the Grand Theft Auto series or Postal. And so they were coining money. Video games, by the way, are a way bigger business than movies. I don't know if the public knows that, but those companies are way more valuable than movie companies are. And, you know, boys in the U.S. and around the world are addicted to video games yes. in many cases. Yes. But before we came along, there were a ton of ultra-violent, sexually violent video games that kids could buy at age 10. So we went after them and passed laws in Michigan, in Illinois, California, and elsewhere that stopped the marketing and sales to minors of sexually violent. Also had a lot of racist stereotypes. I mean, black and brown people were always either prostitutes or drug dealers in the games. So we went after them and won. And we filed all these laws. By the way, the case went up to the Supreme Court on First Amendment grounds. Wow. And it's like six years later, we lost. But it didn't matter because by then the video game industry cleaned up its act on a lot of this stuff and stopped marketing and selling them to kids. So that's a big example where we took on a huge industry mm -hmm. and won. I would say the other biggest one is, look, I wrote a book in 2011 called Talking Back to Facebook which really pissed off Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg. And they even, they wrote me threatening letters saying we're going to block the publication of it. And I said, how, you know, I'm a First Amendment law professor at Stanford. You're not going to block the publication of my book. But, um, and it exposed them for what they did around girls' body image and all the comparative performative stuff that kids do on these platforms. And in those days, Facebook was a platform that kids used. But what happened there was, I, we, I wrote a whole chapter about privacy 
privacy is a fundamental right. But if you think back a decade ago, Ali, my own children told me, Dad, no one cares about privacy. Privacy is passe. And people like Mark Zuckerberg and Eric Schmidt was that of Google in those days. They would go around telling the world, no one cares about privacy. Privacy is old fashioned stuff. Well, that was ridiculous. It's also a fundamental right under the US Constitution, although with this Supreme Court, who knows. But having said that, what happened was we passed in 2018 the California Consumer Privacy Act, which is the law of the land in the United States. And it gave everybody in your audience in the United States rights as consumers to protect their own personal information data and their kids. So we had a huge victory in that one. And what happened is we split the industry. So Microsoft and Apple came with us because remember their business model is they make money by selling devices, not by hoovering up your personal information right. or your kids' personal information. Whereas with Facebook, you are the product or your kids are the product. They're selling your private information to advertisers. That's their business model. It's also Google's business model, by the way. And it's why the leadership of those companies are so important in terms of are they responsible or not. How much have you learned from your own kids about this? I mean, really a ton, a ton right? Totally. I mean, I'll say this. When we first, when I first started Common Sense Media, let's see, Lily was about, our oldest was about nine, right? Mm -hmm. So we have two boys and two girls. Mm -hmm. So I saw the body image issues really big with my two yeah. daughters, yeah, right? Yeah, me too. And I could see them photoshopping their mm -hmm. images. I could see uh, body image and eating disorder issues with them and their classmates. You have plenty of young people, even tweens, let alone teens, who are experiencing that. Yes. And it's because they're constantly exposed to social comparison. You know, they're growing up on these platforms yes. where you're constantly trying to show you're perfect, which not, which only you are, Allie. Only you and I are. Only me. We're the only two perfect people in the <laughs> We're world. Barbie and Ken. And so, but when I wrote Talking Back to Facebook, it came out in 2012, I wrote it in 2011. I could not believe how much kids' self-esteem, girls and boys, was being shaped by these platforms yeah. and how irresponsible the platforms were about it, even though some of the people who ran them were parents. Part of the problem was the people who built all these platforms were 25 years old and they, they didn't even think about what they right. were doing. They're just making money. Yeah, what's a boob? And, right? and they were building products that were addictive and they built all these features that would addict you to the platform. No, I mean, I, I've seen it and I've talked a lot about, you know, particularly with, because I have girls, how it affected girls, eating disorders, but also how many likes you got was, you know, affected yep. your self-esteem. Or I remember one boy on one of my daughter's um, Instagrams, which by the way, are private. And I said, they will be private until your, you're 21. Right. Um, one of the boys was like, you'd be hot if you had tits, you know, things like that, that I'm like, that get in their heads. And I'm like, who is this kid? I'm calling the mother. And they'd say, mom, no, please. But then they would no. see, you know, girls just a couple years older than them, you know, in bikinis with their thumb in their mouth and all this totally. stuff. And I really, I spent hours saying to my kids, this is a girl that has a hole she's trying to fill. This is not something to emulate. Please don't think that this is your currency. And it's exhausting. And it's, you know, right now it's completely out of control. I can't, I mean, I look at Instagram and I just go, oh my God. I agree. I, it's mind boggling. Yes. And it's time for a short break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. 
Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back to Go Ask Alley. Okay, but here's what I want to talk to you about, too. What are you doing about the metaverse? A lot. Uh, okay, good. Tell me, because it, that terrifies me. <laughs> okay, so we're coming out with a report. Mm -hmm. So he, it should be terrifying, par partly because the leading company in the space is Facebook, and they're the least responsible yes. of all the companies. I would never trust my kids to that company, right? Mm -hmm. And they're the biggest player in the metaverse. So we're about to come out with a report. It's going to show you that it's a completely wild, wild west scenario, and that they're hoovering up your kids' data. So if you think online data or on Instagram or or YouTube, you're getting data, right? In the metaverse, they get all your facial characteristics. They get all of the data about 
the way you behave. And there's not a single company in that space right now that's doing it in a way that's sensitive to kids and teens. I would not, as a parent right now, let my kids roam in the, in the metaverse. No way. Why? Tell me why. Tell me the scary stuff. Because the companies don't have protections. They don't have privacy protections. And also, you can get into porn. You can get into a lot of stuff you shouldn't be in as an, as an 18-year-old, let alone as an 11 or 12-year-old, which is who are buying some of these headsets. And it's a completely unregulated environment. The metaverse should scare you. What are you scared about? Tell me. Like Porn. It's porn, but 3D porn that they're participating in. Exactly. And the thing is this, if you actually look at new platforms, Steve Case, the founder of AOL, would tell you this. When, when new platforms emerge, the way you really grow an audience is usually with bad stuff at the beginning, mm -hmm. right? Before it becomes universally popular. So AOL in the early days had a huge porn audience. So if you really look at how how those platforms, social media platforms work. It's the sensational stuff that creates engagement. So it's violence, sex, and anger. So that's a real, the last one is a really important issue. Hate and anger mm -hmm. appeal to people, mm -hmm. right? They stay on there and then they get in big, you know, virtual arguments with each other. And kids are susceptible to that. They're younger, right? They get drawn in. And also there's a massive amount of misinformation and disinformation on these platforms, which we've been very critical of them for. We created with the Anti-Defamation League and the NAACP a campaign called Stop Hate for Profit a couple of years that led to an advertising boycott of Facebook. But in there are a lot of ways as a parent that you really need to be aware of what your kids can be exposed to. Is there any worry about like spending too much time in the metaverse and not in one's real life? I think so. But I think that's true with yeah. any screen, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I mean, if you're in the metaverse for three hours, that means you're three hours you're not out in Central Park or you're not out playing outside or you're not, you know, out with your friends. You're just zoning out in a virtual world. Me, that, that was one of the things about the pandemic is it was so hard on kids and some of the mental health issues that, have, that were already there, but that were exacerbated by the pandemic because kids sat in front of screens. Our youngest kid was in high school and, you know, he would sit in his bedroom, right, and go to school. And I was worried about him being depressed because you're in front of the screen all day. And the big ramifications, by the way, are for low income kids, because the other part of what happened in the pandemic is a lot of kids just didn't go, mm -hmm. didn't go to school. Mm -hmm. If you're in a single parent home where your parent is working full time and you had to leave your kid at home and unsupervised, you know, to go to school, a lot of kids just sort of dropped yeah. out and the schools weren't able to follow through. So we're going to be living with the consequences of the pandemic on young people for a while. Have you found with tech, um, the suicide rates have gone higher with, with teens in terms of isolation? And so here's what I would tell you. First of all, it's not a pure causal relationship. I mean, one, we're pretty careful. I mean, again, wearing my Stanford professor hat, um, you have to be careful about just like blaming it all on social media, right? Or tech. Mm -hmm. And it's simple to do, but it's complex. The data is clear that kids who are already anxious or have other uh, minor issues of depression or anxiety or the normal insecurities of, that all adolescents have, they can be exacerbated by their online experiences and their social media experiences. So there are clear major mental health implications of that. And 
This was really exacerbated during the pandemic because kids are just living their lives online. All the screen time rules went out the window during the pandemic, yeah. partly because you were going to school for a while on this on, on online. I mean, weren't there aspects of it that helped kids um, that they were able to talk to friends and not feel so isolated, that there was some form yes. of socialization? Yes. So platforms can do good stuff too, mm -hmm. right? It can actually connect you to mental health resources, online counseling, a lot of stuff I don't think people realized was there until the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it's not a simplistic, the, it's all caused by being, you know, online. Yeah. But I will tell you this, about half of all American teenagers experienced some form of depression during the pandemic. That's unbelievable, right? And we have an a mental health epidemic right now. So Common Sense Media and Child Mind Institute, who we partner with a fair amount, are probably the leading organizations around this. We're about to do a big campaign with the Surgeon General of the United States, Vivek Murthy, who's fantastic on these issues, and who wrote a book about isolation and loneliness. See, that's another issue for, for all adults but kids, is that, that social platforms and internet platforms can allow you to isolate and just sort of retreat into your own little world. And, th and that's really dangerous for young people. Yeah. I mean, it, I can feel it myself. I, you know, I, I yep. can monitor how I feel when I go on Instagram and stuff. And I know how much time I spend on screens that I could be, you know, out walking the dog or doing other things. So and it's it's, you know, 10 times that for the kids or more. And it's also compulsive and addictive. I yes. mean, you constantly look at your phone, you're constantly checking your messages. But if you talk to kids about it, they know that more than we realize. And they're, they're concerned about it, but they also have issues that are very interesting that I've learned because kids view it differently than we do. So for example, um, one of the reasons why they so constantly check their phones is they want to be there for their friends and they feel they need to respond to their friends when they're friends. I'm like, why? Who cares? But they actually feel pressured to do that. Um, they also feel pressured to perform sometimes politically. Mm -hmm. as, as young people have become more politically aware during the insanity years of the Trump, mm -hmm. they have also now been, you know, called on activism online, right? Teenagers feel that they should respond to issues like racism and, and other social problems online. So it's, there's a lot of pressures they feel that we don't always understand. So I was my concern was I was worried that these younger generations were losing their sense of empathy. But based on what you just said, that's maybe not true. So maybe there is empathy more than I thought. And it's it's a really important point, Ali, because empathy is so basic to human relationships and to friendships and to family and everything. Yeah. And the truth is it's not black and white, meaning the platforms do enable you. If you really read what kids say, it's really important. And by the way, this is what my kids tell me all the time. Dad, you don't get who yeah. we really are. And <laughs> there's some truth to that because we did not grow up right. with this, right? And they are natives. They only know this experience. Yep. They have no other childhood or adolescence without these platforms. Yep. And it's 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 more nuanced. And empathy can they can actually communicate online in ways we do not, right? We don't use the platforms the way they use the platforms. Um before we go, tell me what you're hoping for with common sense media in the next, let's say, five years. What are what are the sort of the dream, the dream ideas? I would say. Number one, you permanently close the digital divide so that everybody in the United States has access to broadband because you, whether you like it or not, you need mm -hmm. it to go to, for school, you need it for work, you need to do your homework. So permanently close the digital divide. The money's there. We're doing a huge campaign on that for the next couple of years. Love it. 
I would say another big dream is that we really address the youth mental health crisis in the United States and adult mental health crisis, but that we really do that and that we make the resources available to everybody who needs it in the suicide prevention area, but also for people who have significant but not necessarily rising the level of suicide or, you know, massive self-harm, but that we really, really take this mental health crisis seriously. I think third, that we work with the companies and regulate them, the big tech platforms and social media platforms, so that they're way more responsible, both in terms of how they shape the lives of kids and families, Mm -hmm. but also about how they've screwed up our elections. I mean, I think our democracy is at its most fragile state in my lifetime, right? 100%. Actually, since the Civil War, the 1860s. I agree. And I will tell you, I think that the media platforms are a big part of the problem because they've spread misinformation, disinformation. It's where all the Jan 6 stuff Mm -hmm. was was formed online. Mm -hmm. And people are manipulating these platforms in really, really devious ways. That's true here in the U.S., but it's really true globally as well. Okay, see you at the camp reunion. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so fun. I know. I can't thank you enough for everything you do with Common Sense Media, really. go to. I mean, I want your whole audience to become members of Common Sense because, guys, this is your kid's life. But it's also the way to advocate for children. It's also the way to advocate for democracy. It's like 30 bucks a year. And the truth is, this is the reality our kids are growing up in and that we're living in. So the more we do, the better, Allie. That's right. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Alley. As always, please check out our show notes for other great info and links. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Go Ask Alley and follow me on Instagram at The Real Alley Wentworth. Now, if you'd like to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, I'd love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways you can do it. You can call or text me at 323-364-6356, or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to goaskalleypodcast at gmail.com. And if you leave a question, you just might hear it on Go Ask Alley. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.